Welcome back to the Indiscriminate News Network. I'm your host, Jason St. Clair. So this is going to be part two on Citigroup and the rap sheet. I'm going to be reading from corporateresearch.org. And this particular research, a lot of it was done by Philip Matera. So the financial octopus known as Citigroup is the result of a marriage of one of the country's oldest and most powerful commercial banks, Citibank, and conglomerate travels group created by Sanford Weil to promote and exploit the weakening of federal rules governing the financial sector. During the 2008 credit crisis, a struggling Citigroup had been bailed out by the federal government, which ignored calls for its breakup and aside from the multi-million dollar regulatory settlements, did little to curb its aggressive practices. 2015, it pleaded guilty to a criminal charge of currency market manipulation and was allowed to continue business as usual. Standard Oil Roots. Citibank, who roots went back to the early 19th century, later developed close ties to the Rockefeller interest and became the prime bank of Standard Oil Empire. By the early 20th century, what was still called National Citibank was testing the limits of federal bank regulations. Using a holding company, it began to acquire control of other banks around the country until an uproar of this creation of money trusts caused it to abandon its plan. Taking advantage of the 1927 McFadden Act, which allowed national banks to open branches in their own hometown, National City became building an extensive retail banking presence in New York City. During the 1970s, City and other big banks based in New York City pressured the municipal government to adopt harsh austerity policies to deal with a fiscal crisis. The banks had helped bring about that crisis by dumping their holdings of the city's securities and refusing to underwrite new issues. Citibank was singled out in this regard. In 1975, municipal unions organized withdrawal more than 14 million institutional deposits from the bank. Undeterred, City and the other banks supported the creation of undemocratic bodies such as the Municipal Assistance Corporation and the Emergency Financial Control Board to protect their interests. Citibank also made life more difficult for New Yorkers by raising interest rates on consumer loans to more than 13%. In 1981, City paid $500,000 to settle usury, battery, uh, usury charges brought by the New York State Attorney General. In the 1970s, Citibank was also an aggressive proponent of using the vast new deposits coming in from oil-producing countries to lend aggressively to underdeveloped nations. This recycling of petrodollars created unsuitable levels of debt for much of the third world, which later came back to haunt Citibank and other Western institutions. In 1987, Citibank had to add $3 billion to its loan loss reserves to deal with these bad loans. Even so, the third world debt problem kept City unstable to the point that there was speculation that it might file for bankruptcy or enter into a merger to prop up its weak balance sheet. Boy, talk about a risky loan there. In 1991, Citi got $590 million capital infusion from Saudi Prince Al-Wahid bin Tala and another $600 million from the sale of preferred stock to a group of several dozens institutional investors. On August 20, 1991, article in Financial World entitled Too Big to Fail describes Citi as a deeply troubled institution. Until it changed its policy in 1978, Citi was the largest U.S. lender to the apartheid government of South Africa yet it continued to provide extensive loans to South African private sector, defying calls for divestment. This was a key reason Citi was one of the companies targeted by a group called Americans Concerned About Corporate Power. In 1981, the group founded by Ralph Nader and other public interest activists launched Citi Watch to monitor its bank's practices with regards to employee rights, 
community reinvestment, pension investment, and loan to uh, loans to repressive governments. In 1982, the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission overruled its staff and closed a three-year investigation of Citibank's foreign currency transactions without pressing charges. It later came to light that one of the SEC commissioners who made the decision had previously represented the bank while working for a prominent law firm that had long represented Citi. What a surprise there. An investigation by a House of Representatives subcommittee presented evidence of extensive violations of banking laws and tax evasion by Citibank foreign subsidiaries. Subsidiaries. Citibank took advantage of the savings and low crisis of 1980 to acquire failing thrifts such as Fidelity Savings of San Francisco and thus laid the foundation of interstate banking. As city moved into states, it became the target of more criticism. In 1990, a report by Citizens Action alleged that city's home mortgage computer system was overcharged buyers in 14 states. In 1992, a report by the comptroller of the currency found that city's home mortgage business engaged in sloppy practices that exposed the company to excessive risk while overcharging many customers. The creation of Citigroup. Citibank's struggle to survive on its own came to an end in 1998 when it agreed to merger with Travelers, which Sandy Weil had fashioned out of takeover of the insurance company that name as well as the investment houses Sherson and Salomon Brothers. The latter had paid $200 million to settle charges and that it submitted fraudulent bids in Treasury Department auctions of federal securities to circumvent limits on the portion of those issues that the single firm was allowed to purchase. The $70 billion merger flew in the face of federal rules barring combinations, commercial banking, and either insurance and investment banking. Yet while Citibank CEO John Reed correctly bet that the federal regulators would find the deal too big to block, Citigroup thus became into being. One of Citigroup's first big challenges was to deal with the accusations that Citibank has assisted in laundering nearly $100 million in payoffs received from drug traffickers by Raul Salinas del Gartari and the brother of Mexico's president. A report by the U.S. General Accounting Office found that Citibank violated its own policies in the matter, turning a blind eye to the suspicious transaction in 1999 testimony to Congressional Committee. Reed admitted that Citibank had slowed to correct the weak years of control of wealthy customers. Another GAO report in 2000 found that Citi had failed to follow regulation guidelines to prevent money laundering and allowed up to $800 million in suspicious Russian funds to pass through 136 accounts. And in further congressional testimony, 2001, city officials admitted serious deficiencies in dealing with two of the offshore Caribbean banks implicated in another money laundering scandal. Citigroup had troubles at home as well. In 2000, Citibank had to pay $45 million to settle lawsuits alleging that it imposed excessive late fees on credit card customers. That same year, Citigroup announced that it would spend $31 billion to purchase the largest U.S. consumer financing company, Associates First Capital, which was already subject to controversy over predatory lending. Facing pressures from community activists, activists excuse me, Citi claimed that it would revamp the business to avoid abusive practices. It nonetheless, was targeted by activist groups such as National's People Action and in 01, the FTC sued Citi and Associates for abusive lending practices. The following year, FCC announced that Citi would pay a record $215 million to settle those charges. In 2002, Citi became embroiled in the biggest corporate scandal of the day when it was accused of helping Enron conceal its precarious financial conditions by disguising debt as trading transactions. In 2003, Citi agreed to pay $100 million, $101 million to settle SEC charges relating to Enron fraud, plus another $19 million relating to manipulation of financial statements by other company called Dynegy. 
In 05, Citi agreed to pay $2 billion to settle lawsuits brought by Enron investors. In the early 2000s, star analyst Jack Rubman of Citi Solomon Bank's Beth Barney unit was at the center of a conflict of interest controversy. In 03, Solomon Barney agreed to pay $400 million in penalties and disgorgement as its share of settlement with regulars conflicted the interest issue. Citi was also implicated in WorldCom accounting scandal, and O4 had agreed to pay $2.65 billion to settle lawsuits brought by WorldCom investors alleging that Citi failed to perform due diligence when underwriting the company's bonds. The same year, Citi agreed to pay $70 million to settle Federal Reserve regulations, allegations of abuse and consumer lending operations. In 04, Citi was fined three times by financial industry regulator NASAD. $250,000 for failing to comply with discovery obligations, arbitrary case, another $250,000 for disturbing, misleading hedge fund sales literature, and $275,000 for various violations relating to futures fund. During the same period, Japanese regulars shut down Citi's private banking operations that became a serious rule violation. In 05, the SEC announced that Citi would pay a civil penalty of $20 million for failure to provide customers' material related to their purchases of mutual fund shares. Two months later, the commission said Citi would pay $208 million to settle additional charges relating to the mutual fund sales. That same year, Britain's Financial Security Authority fined Citi €13.9 million Euros for violation of bond trading regulations. In 06, Nassad NASD fined Citi $225,000 for dis efficient disclosures in an analyst report and $1.1 million for failing to prevent its brokers from falsely claiming that their customers were disabled to improperly obtain waivers of mutual fund sales. In 07, NASD announced that Citi would pay $15 million to settle charges relating to the use of misleading materials in retirement seminars for Bell South employees. In 08, FINRA, the successor to NSAD, fined Citi $300,000 for failing to properly Supervising commissions its brokers charged on stock odd option trades, while SEC announced that Citi would restore about $7 billion in liquidity to customers that invested in auction rate securities that were alleged misled to their risk. Also that year, Citi agreed to pay $18 million settled charges by California Attorney General concerning the practice of using computerized sweeps to remove balances from credit cards accounts and that were in recovery status. All right, I think I'm going to have to do a part three because I am running out of gas on these guys. So crazy, the, the rap sheet of Citibank. All right, it's Jason with the Indiscriminate News Network. I'll probably do a, a news update, some do some headlines, and then I'll do a, finish off with the third part here of City. Thanks for listening. It's Jason with the Indiscriminate News Network. Take care. Make sure to hit that subscribe, follow button wherever you're listening. Bye.